One, two, two. Hello, hello. I'm just going to assume this is working. Yeah. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me feel quite... <laughs> it makes me feel quite frightened. Hello, Zan. Hello, literally in front of me. I'm looking at you at your face. I can't can't contain my excitement. It's unbelievable. We're allowed in the same house. I'm your one guest today. Yeah, it means I don't get to see anybody else today inside my house. Yeah. But but you're worth it. Oh, thank you. And you've got Norman. You don't need people anymore. (laughs) Anyway, but this is amazing. Lockdown, stage four. Lockdown is not over, but where we are recording in Melbourne is is over. Freedom we, Day. Freedom Day was yesterday. Uh, I've just called it that. It sounds like I've just named a national holiday now or at least a I Victoria wide ho- holiday. I think that public holiday that went for the AFL grand final in Victoria probably should have been changed to yesterday. Yeah, seriously. I actually feel that now. I didn't think so at the time, but now I'm like, why the hell? It was such a <laughs> glorious day too. Like it felt like the gods were shining on us and smiling on us. It was a beautiful sunny day and Melbourne's had kind of crappy weather lately, mm. which has been particularly hard because the only way we've been able to see people is by meeting them outside for picnics. Going to the park. So having that sunshine, having that freedom of it opening up at midnight on Tuesday night. Um, I went out last night. I'm feeling a little bit teddy tired. Good. Uh, I Good, went to so a friend's bar <laughs> and had a few drinks um, in the afternoon and that gorgeous sunshine coming through uh-huh. and just sitting at a big table Somebody with like six other people. pouring your drink. It was like, wild. It's it's weird. Like I, I'm sure people in other states other than Victoria or even cities other than Melbourne won't understand what it was like and we're, we're just trying to let you in here on, on exactly what it was like. But I can't tell you how sick I am of – I mean, we get takeaways and stuff, but just having stuff off your own plates and bowls, look, it's not a major thing, <laughs> but just somebody else to, to look after that part of it. <laughs> Um, is amazing given we haven't been able to do that for months and months and months. Yeah. Yeah. And just sitting with friends, being having a conversation. There was a couple of moments. Looking at other people around yeah. you. Being able to just sit and relax and enjoy a place that doesn't, that isn't your house. Well, exactly. That's the kicker. <laughs> that's not our house or not our workplace. And there yeah. was a couple of moments yesterday where we just sort of stopped and looked at each other and went, is this oh really happening? Like it's amazing how much you just get out of the habit of things. Mm. And I do feel a little bit tired from socialising. Yeah. I'll say that. I'm a bit worn out. <laughs> but as I walk down the streets, you know, it wasn't just because there's been, you know, some places that are open. But again, I don't think that necessarily people outside of Melbourne realised that everything was closed. Like yeah. shops weren't open. No. Your average shop, Can't n- have- not even click and collect for some places, no. just completely closed. So to hear, to be walking down Swanson Street in the CBD of Melbourne and hear music coming out of the shops just those little things where it's like this is life this is life on the streets of the city that I love and it's coming back to life it felt there was a magic in the air it felt like New Year's Eve or or Mardi Gras there was this beautiful kind of hope and anticipation and it was just it just lifted my soul I would have drunk buckets of wine if it was I'd Prosecco o'clock for many, many hours. <laughs> i tell you what I can't wait to do, and this feels really weird to say too because, you know, it's important, you know, look, self-care, hashtag um, blessed and all that business. <laughs> but, like, I can't wait, and I'm going to tell you something I did, I can't wait to get a pedicure. <laughs> like, this sounds really bad. Your toenails are looking good. I, I did. I painted my nails, but, like, the heels of my feet are so cracked it's ridiculous. <laughs> 
And the other day, I actually filed them with a nail file. Oh, Jesus. Like that's how far it's gone in my house. And I just – all I want to do is go into a place and hopefully someone can sort me out with one of those razors where they just strip oh it off. God. I've been dreaming about that. Like, Get me the cheese grater on oh, my heels. Oh, absolutely. And just – I know – I think they're even illegal, those things, the one they have the razors in that just strip it off. Are they? Strips. Oh, yeah. that's news to me. I'm so I'm like, give me that or give me nothing. Give it, give it to me all over the place. Um, like it's, it's got that bad and I'm just – it's just it's stupid that I care so much and I, I, I don't normally but now I do. It's been a long time. I enjoyed getting my hair did last yeah, your hair night. looks great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there was – my age was showing, let's just say that in the roots. My age was definitely showing. But some people took it, you know, to the next level. I saw people turning up to Kmart at midnight, which is – I don't know. Like, first no, of all, no, I'm it's, here ca- for this. it's Kmart. I'm here for this. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like it's a really I fancy store. I just want to browse in Kmart. <laughs> don't begrudge me of my Kmart and Spotlight at midnight, Zan. I didn't do it. But I, I could have. Like, I, I really genuinely just want to browse aimlessly. Are you the kind of person that walks into Kmart and go, I don't need that, but I'm, I'm going to picking get it up. It. Yeah, you walk in there with, like, I'm just going to get a cheese grater or yeah. something, and yeah. you walk out with a trolley full, don't you? Absolutely. I love, 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 <laughs> love, 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 love. So. A, lot, a lot of people as well very excited that Bunnings is open again. Oh, man. Um, and fittingly, last night, did you watch Ruin? They found the guy that made the. Do, do, what, how do you even make the sound? Do, 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 do. <laughs> He's like an warehouse. Can we get that past the ABC, do you think? <laughs> it's not advertising. It was on Gruen. It was on Gruen. That's right. Um, it was amazing. Um, the hero who wrote that music, they, they tracked him down. He lives in WA somewhere. And as they came to him, he, he said something along the lines of, <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, so good. And he showed how the keyboard that he recorded it on. He showed the floppy disk that he originally recorded it on 25 years ago. Incredible. Um, people are actually calling up for it to become the new anthem, Australian anthem. And look, you know, to be honest. Huge. <laughs> yeah. Advanced Australia Fair is a turgid dirge. <laughs> Compared to the Bunnings theme and the way that Australia has embraced Bunnings and, and, you know, the heart with which we pleaded the sausage sizzle to continue even during lockdown um, and it didn't and it hurt most people. That's where people were hurt the most, I think. The sausage sizzle. Um, I, I do truly feel this guy has composed Australia's Next Anthem. Holy shit. Yeah. Huge call. Yeah. If, you, um, if you've just wondered if this is a coronavirus <laughs> podcast, we have been kind of deep in it, but Bang On is a chat that we have every week about music, art, life and stuff. Mm. And it's a weird time to be talking about that, which means that we often go off into little tangents, but we love the Bang Fam. We love chewing the fat with you every week. And we love it when very famous people absolutely don't read the room. Mm. Kim Kardashian West turned 40 this week, a milestone birthday. Mm. We all have our big blowout parties. She took it to the next level, posting a handful of tropical island party pics to her socials Mm. with this amazing caption. After two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, I surprised my closest inner circle with a trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal for just a brief moment in time. Mm. And, oh, boy, the reactions, 
Huge. Huge. She followed it up with this one, which I think carries the weight of what she was up to. We danced, rode bikes, swam near whales, kayaked, watched a movie on the beach and so much more. I realise that for most people, this is something that is so far out of reach right now. So in moments like these, I'm humbly reminded of how privileged my life is. Thank you for checking your privilege, but... If you're not so humble that you didn't decide to post it. <laughs> yeah, and the weight of right now. I realise that for most people, this is something that is so far out of my reach right now. No, mate, this is <laughs> something out of all of our reach at all times. Like... I booked the local pub and put $1,000 on the bar for my 40th, <laughs> and I thought that was generous. That was a good 40th. It was a good party. I loved it. Um, no one can do this in the normal world anyway. And look, you know, I sta- I'll stand up for Kim Kardashian in some ways, uh, but this, man, this was the most tone-deaf thing anyone has seen in the last couple of weeks. It was it was totally a let-them-eat-cake moment, I think. Oh, seriously? Yeah, and, and some of the photos that people started posting, and, and it wasn't just like randoms on the internet like you and me. It was people, it was organisations like the Museum of Modern Art in New York who posted that quote, the first one, after two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, um, where I wanted to pretend things were normal for just a brief moment in time. Museum of Modern Art posted a Matisse painting of people dancing. They were everywhere. Other people posted pictures from that movie Parasite. It was amazing. The house, that was amazing. <laughs> it was like, oh, my Your God. Your own version of a private <laughs> island. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. There's and a lot of pictures of cults as well, various cults. cults. Uh, the Red Wedding from oh, Game of Thrones. That was good. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but it's like I actually Lord of the Flies, that was another good one. There was heaps of uh, vision from that. The memes were flowing thick and fast. I actually, I mean, I didn't actually see her post and I saw a friend of mine do a meme. Mm. And I was like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about, Private Island? And then I saw it happen again and again. I was like, oh, I kind of had to unravel and go backwards and find <laughs> the original source material. But there was some amazing things going through the internet yesterday and that friend that I saw first saw is actually in New York at the moment she it's a friend of ours Amelia and she and her family have been heading out to New Jersey because living in New York right now is really tough and during the first wave was really tough as well and they've basically just escaped to Jersey because their life is completely upended. And this is the kicker. Like America is going through an intense spike right now. Mm. Some of the biggest numbers we've seen during the pandemic, as well as Europe going through a second wave that is bigger than the first. France is locked down again. It's full on. It's out of control in so many parts of the Northern Hemisphere. And you've got Kim Kardashian posting this. Oh, babes. Just pipe down. Pipe down. (laughs) Read the room. Yeah, read the room. And also, you know, a destination wedding is hard enough to go along to (laughs) for most people. She quarantined people for two weeks. Who's got those kind of friends? I go, yeah, sure. I'll lock myself in a hotel for two weeks, go mad, feel like I'm on the edge of a precipice because I don't actually know what real life is anymore, just so I can go to your 40th. It's like those friends who have birthday weeks and it's like, oh, get over yourself. It's not a festival. (laughs) You just got born. Give your mum a birthday week, not you. Get over it. Hey, did you see that an iconic music venue in Melbourne, Festival Hall? Known to us over the years as Festering Hole. Festering Hole or Festering Saw. 
Festival um, in West Melbourne has sold. It's been up for sale for a couple of years. They actually saved it from being developed into apartments in 2018 when it was heritage listed. And uh, a somewhat unlikely, but maybe not so unlikely, buyer has nabbed it for the sweet bargain price of $23 million, the Hillsong Church. Who's got that kind of cash at this a time? A exempt megachurch yeah. has that kind of cash. Yeah. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? And quite devastating, I think, for, for fans of music. And this is probably applicable to other parts of the country as well. A performance is dead at this stage. Mm. Any kind of live performance, especially of a venue size of something like Fest, I can't not call it Festering. Yeah, that's its name, <laughs> Festering Hall. Festering, festering Hall. I can't not call it. Um and the, the reason why we call it that is because it was a terrible venue for to listen to music. <laughs> it was built for boxing originally. It was built for, you know, wrestling and boxing. The so sound was questionable. The sound was questionable. But, gee, it had some vibes, didn't it? That's it was, so much vibe. Even when so the ceiling vibes. was sweating, we were happy to be oh, there. It actually literally <laughs> dripped off the roof, didn't it? The sweat used to drip off yeah. the roof. It was just rank. But so It's kind of, many... the kind of the kind of venue that you walk in and you immediately clock where the fire exits are. Yeah. Just yeah. in case. Oh, exactly. It was like a tinderbox. It was <laughs> Is that what you call it? A tinderbox yeah. or a cinderbox? I think tinderbox. Tinderbox. Yeah. Tinderbox. Yeah. Yeah. Not in the new way of thinking Tinder either. Although many people met their futures to be there too. So and uh, use their boxes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Leave that in. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> filthy. No one knows this. Um, but these venues are, are struggling and they can't afford to stay open purely because they can't be attended. And that that is going to rip out the heart of of what is essentially the livelihood of so many people. Um, it's just really sad at this time. Uh, I'm yeah. sure there are other venues around the country that have been in similar situations. How do you stay open? Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of venues, um, festivals as well, like the music industry is going through its darkest time mm. ever right now. It's... It really, like, when I saw this news, I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, for their part, the church said that it will still operate as what they say a community venue. It'll still be used. I can't wait for those death metal satanic <laughs> well, exactly. Black, black metal like, bands who often perform there when they come to Australia. Seriously, it's a place where at Slayer a... and Sepultura used to play. Like, the, are they going to let Which those Which I saw. In? Yeah, oh, right. awesome. What year? What era? Oh, God, this was probably 2000 and early 2000s maybe. Amazing. I think if I, my dates are all muddy but I do remember that one. It was pretty good. That's the thing. Like are they actually going to let – are they are they going to have some sort of um, guidelines of who they allow to be in what they call a house of God? Mm. On Sundays it will be a house of God. But also, you know, on the flip side, there's a lot of musicians who came out on socials this week and basically said, I don't want to give my venue fees because they've got to pay obviously to hire the venue to um, a church that – you know, skims 10% off their parishioners' pay packet. Mm. People have a, you know, a, right, a rightful effect. issue with that. Yeah. But it's one of the things that I really was touched by this week because I talked a little bit about it on my radio show and I have memories of Festival Hall. I always remember seeing the Beastie Boys in 2005 there. And when when I saw this news, I went back and to Setlist FM and checked it out and, sorry, pun intended, check, 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 check it out. <laughs> and um, the, the set list was amazing and I was like, God, that really was an incredible show. But I started talking about it on the radio and everybody had those stories and a lot of those stories were associated with first gigs, you know, mm-hmm. and seeing bands that would go on to play stadiums, so people talking about seeing Radiohead, The Police, mm-hmm. The White Stripes, The Divinals. Someone reminded me of 
every picture tells a story, which was an amazing rave that happened. Do you oh, remember yes, every, picture, remember tells every story? picture tells a story? And so it's kind of like it's it just it's part of our own history. It's part of our own musical and and muscle memory to have these these spaces where where we've fallen in love with live music, where we've done stupid things, where we've had you know, strong bows and, and gotten sick the next day, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's totally part of our DNA. And yeah. so it really hurts when the prospect that they're going to go um, comes up and it seems to be happening more and more. More and more. Um, and let's not forget pre-internet. If you were a keen music fan, and this is before my time, before I moved to Melbourne, if you were a very keen music fan, you would sleep out at Festival Hall out the front and everyone would see you sleeping out as you waited for your tickets. To get to the front of the GA. At nine in the morning. So good. I know. And I think about that and and that was almost a rite of passage for a lot of people who were lucky enough to be able to do it. Um, They usually left home too, uh, illegally, like their parents didn't know. (laughs) So all those things... um, you know, those memories, they're, they're going to be gone, which is a bit sad, I think. I hope for the best, but, you know, adjust my expectations for the worst. What a venue. What a festering hole it was. <laughs> uh, the David Bowie song, Fashion, of which we use quite often to talk about fashion. It's a banner moment. Yeah, one of my favourite moments in Bang On. Um, we don't do it every week, but when, it, when we do, it's real. And it's true and it comes from the heart. Um, <laughs> Me too, it's real. <laughs> it's true, it's love. As opposed to fashion being it's a love, lie. It's love of fashion. <laughs> it comes from the heart, Zan. It comes from deep within, that's yeah, for sure. exactly. And um, good news that you alerted me to, Zan. That song's turning 40. Yeah, it turned 40 week. last weekend. Oh, was it last weekend, yeah, was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. What, you didn't have a party? No. <laughs> Well, I couldn't invite one person per day over it back then. Imagine now. I wonder who I'd invite. This week, fashion picnic with 10 people from 10 different houses. Yeah, that was amazing. Again, like whenever these anniversaries come up, you're like, whoa, really 40 years ago. It made me start thinking about age in general and how like I feel the older I get and I speak for myself here, maybe you can correct me, the better I, I get I dress. Like I used to dress in basically hoodies and jeans um, and camper shoes throughout my 20s. <laughs> I dressed like a 14-year-old boy basically um, and I didn't really quite learn how to, you know, dress for my shape and figure out like, you know, style and stuff like that until I was in, in my early 30s. And the older I get, the more – I think it's maybe that stronger sense of self. Do you yeah. find that the – like in your 40s that you have also – yeah, like clicked into gear of what actually makes sense in your fashion. No, no. <laughs> not this year. Again, especially, I can't speak for myself. You could especially be especially not this year, mate. I'm I've been f- nail filing my heels. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> Look at me. I've actually got a band T-shirt on, which I never do, and I wore it today because we were talking about Festival Hall. It's Iggy Pop. Oh my god! Because I actually amazing. quite like the design. I can't wear band T-shirts. I've never felt comfortable wearing them because I just, I'm not sure why. I just can't. But I, I can wear this one. Yeah, you look cute. Because it's like it's got a cool design, cool graphic, man. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, my I think I've just decided to sideswipe fashion, fashion completely. Go for comfort. 24-7, hide it in fashion, dress it up in fashion. But drapes. Drapes are a big part of my 40s, wearing yeah. drapey clothes. I just And also I'm embracing colour, though. That's the other thing. I've worn black my entire life pretty much. 
and now I'm, although I'm wearing all black today, I, I, I'm looking forward to being a jaunty uh, woman of a certain age who wears any kind of colour that just says, fuck off, I'm a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> and I am here to do <laughs> I've got views, I've got thoughts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm ready. But no, I don't, I don't expect to feel better about my fashion choices. <laughs> want to get more out there and more comfortable which says a lot doesn't it it says a lot about the age I'm at yeah (laughs) I'm still just like recovering from you being a pigeon can I show you I did a little I did a bit of maths and I googled what David Bowie looked like at 40 years old Mm. because I was kind of curious he's always been a fashion icon this is Mm. why this song is so perfect for him he's changed the game done his own thing with style and influenced so many people still to this day 40 wasn't a kind age to David if I remember correctly well let's just say there's a mullet that recalls a Warwick cap across with David Bowie it's a sort of yes um it's there's a softness but also a a lot of hairspray holding it in oh that's superb I mean he's just a beautiful man yeah no matter what he does he's always going to be beautiful and that's a that's a very 80s red suit that he's wearing that's an 87 vibe isn't it yeah it's totally I love it I actually love it (laughs) I'm here for it that's a suit I would wear happy birthday fashion comfortable And yet stylish. Oh my God. It's loose. Is it double-breasted? I yeah, mean, it's double-breasted, got be, 80s. It's the law. Yeah. <laughs> 87, oh, it's the law. Um, just FYI too, it looks like a trailer for a new David Bowie biopic, unauthorised may I add, uh, has just hit online, which you may or may not want to look at. Um, the reviews are coming in on the trailer. They're not great. It's unauthorised, so there's no Bowie music in this movie. Does anyone have no play Bowie? Uh, someone I don't know. Okay. Um, Which is kind of good when you're doing a biopic because you don't mm. want to be distracted by a famous actor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you can have a look and make up your own mind. What's it called? <laughs> Stardust. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, Starman uh, was not allowed either. So. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Is it going to be unlike the Elton John film that he did? It's just going to be like karaoke versus the David songs. Bowie, Without not the songs. actual recording. Yeah, I know. Holy shit. Didn't they do that for the Jimi Hendrix film that Andre yeah. 3000 was in and they yeah. did a biopic but they had none of his music? I mean, I sort of think at that point you're like, you know what, let's, let's just not just go not ahead with this project. Because uh, the only place that's going to screen it is the Hallmark Channel. On pay TV because they play all those biopics, oh, those God. kind of shitty, weird biopics. Amazing. So, look, I look forward to seeing it. Um, You're I'm, absolutely going to watch this. I will. I will. Of I love course. it. Will you be listening, though, to the brand new podcast, Dumpster Fire, which is. I thought that was tw- the tagline for 2020. <laughs> well, this is. Dumpster Fire. <laughs> this is the most 2020 headline. Actually, I can't say that because there have been so many wild and ridiculous cooked things this year. Mm. But this is perfect, big 2020 energy. Uh, this is a fire festival update. You thought that, you know, dumpster fire of a festival was in our past. See, but and we also thought that was the worst thing that could happen to people, didn't we? <laughs> yes. That you'd go off to a festival on an island and you'd only you'd get it would turn into Lord of the Flies. We thought that was pretty bad. Was so naive. And that people would give blowjobs for water. <laughs> but no, it got worse. It got worse. Maybe this is the tipping point. Billy McFarland, who is the one of the people alongside Ja Rule that defrauded people by putting on pain is love, it's murder. I love Ja Rule. I love Ja Rule. I am. I I can't tell you how much I love Ja Rule. (laughs) Pain is love, it's murder. Maybe a real karaoke kind of bang on from now on, isn't it? Now Mm. that we're back together again, I've missed it. Billy McFarland Mm. has been thrown into solitary confinement 
for starting a podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> no. He was is already he, in prison for wire fraud. Is he, but is he he's, making any money off this podcast? Because quite frankly, if so, he deserves to pay that back to all his creditors. He says he's going to pay back his creditors because oh, this is a guy that has basically made his whole career so far out of blatantly lying. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the prison people, the prison people weren't too keen on him, um, checking in on this podcast, which is called Dumpster Fire, um, via phone from prison. Now, of course, like, here's the other kicker. This Fire Festival story has already been explored in not one, but two documentaries, one on Mm. Netflix, one on Hulu. I've watched both, of course. Of course. Um, I don't think I'll listen to Dumpster Fire though. I don't want to give this guy any more time. No. But it's like, how much more of the story can you tell? People, some people are saying that this is basically him just warming up for his parole hearing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Anyway, you've been warned. So yep. this week we have a Billy McFarlane podcast and a shit David Bowie biopic to share with you. <laughs> All the hot tips <laughs> for knowing and understanding what's going on culturally. What are you actually banging on about this week? What I'm actually banging on about this week is the new documentary. It's called Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult, which oh, is yes, on stand. Yes, I love cult documentaries. It's only, it's only two episodes in. There's still two more episodes to come, which I will be watching. There is another one called The Vow, and I think that's what, that's on HBO, so you might be able to see it on Binge. I'm not sure. Um, but this is about the cult that was started by Keith Renier, um, who incidentally has just been sentenced to 121 years for sex trafficking and racketeering conspiracy. So he has now been found guilty for all the crimes of which all these people that are in these documentaries accuse him of. He was an absolute narcissist, a monster. What sort of era is this cult operating This in? is now. Oh, this right. is like the last 20 years. Whoa. Um, and it... Similar to a lot of other cults. I mean, I love a cult doco, Wild Wild Country, uh, mm. and and that was about the orange people and that was in the sort of 70s and 80s. And this one is – and you think when you watch these docos that there's no way that people could be so gullible, but you see through this because it was well-documented and his, his behaviour was well-documented as well. Um, he basically created part of the cult, uh, created a, a group of sex slaves – who were branded by him. Literally branded. Literally branded. Oh, wow. Yeah, with a branding iron. Oh, my God. Um, who were made to do whatever he wanted. Um, and, and you think, how on earth can this be real? How on earth are people so gullible? But Nexium started out as a one of those improve yourself cults. So there were different layers and tiers of which you could subscribe to and you could become part of the crew and then you could become a teacher and then you get your tags and then you get your sashes and like karate, you know, you could become a blue belt or, or black Scientology. belt. Or Scientology. Or Landmark. Or any, yeah, any of those things. Um, but essentially then he he started to create this environment that was so incredibly toxic. It was, it was the classic narcissist behaviour, isolating people, mm. isolating women in particular um, and ensuring that, that that they really had sort of nowhere to go and he had a whole bunch of people working for him to do this. Oh, it's just totally messed up. And this one, Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult, is put together by uh, the daughter of Catherine Oxenberg who is an 80s, famous 80s actor. She was in Dynasty or Dallas or one of those. Amazing. Um, she actually introduced her daughter, India, into the cult oh, wow. and she was completely 
completely sucked in uh, to the point of she wasn't she wasn't able to tell her story first for the vow so she doesn't doesn't see this as competition she did a lot of therapy years and years of therapy and now she feels ready to tell her story so it's it's awful like it's an awful watch but at the same time it's I think it's probably a necessary watch because it comes back to the that feeling we all want to belong to something we all want to feel needed we all want to feel wanted we want to feel like we can improve ourselves and be part of something that that motivates us but the problem is what if you go on the wrong path what mm. if you follow the wrong leader in that quest and it could happen to you know even the smartest people and it's really really sad and we're vulnerable right now too that's the other totally. thing totally everyone or wants not, to we're feel more, good you know we're at our as a as a culture, we're at kind of our loneliest mm. in the, in Western culture. We're ice, we're isolating even before the pandemic more than ever. And if you sort of yeah go down a path where you're getting a feedback loop that's telling you one thing, whether it's through online mm. or other you know groups, um, there's a real danger to it. So oh, I'm diving in. Yeah, you, you know I love yeah any sort of cult book film documentary and when you look at it from a distance this guy was an absolute creep like if you looked at him you'd go oh that's really creepy behavior but he created a situation whereby that was normalized Mm. and the more you normalize something the more it becomes real or more it becomes acceptable which is also something we're experiencing right now yeah you know you normalize the fact that you can't touch your friends you normalize uh, all this stuff affects you mentally Mm. in ways in which you can't predict and it's it's frightening. Mm. Seduced? Seduced. On stand. Yeah. Okay, I'm diving yeah. in. Um, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about something that we talked about last week when we saw the stills of mm. Rudy Giuliani with an actor who was playing a 15-year-old girl for the Borat film. Mm. This is the Borat subsequent movie film. That's the title yeah. of it. It's Borat 2, basically. I was surprised when I was looking at it that the first Borat came out in 2006. Mm, 15 years ago. Wild. Yeah. And a lot has changed in that time. I think one of the kickers for this sequel is that he can't necessarily go into parts of America and do what he's doing because people recognise him. And he's overt with that in this film. Um, But I thought it was really solid. It had a lot more structure and storyline than the first film, which was kind of a collection of pranks, I thought. Mm. He still does that, but there was a bit more of a through line to it all. And the the big highlight in this film is Maria Bakalova, who's the actor who plays mm. his daughter. He's basically the storyline is that he's taking her to America as a gift to Mike Pence because this is going to free him from you know, meeting a, an unsavoury end from the Kazakhstan government, make them happy. He's basically been in jail mm. for the last 14 years. That's why it's been so long. That's the kind of backstory. But she's amazing and she really, you know, they share equal time mm. and she really um, nails it in this film. But it's, again, you're kind of seeing and, you know, he's he's absolutely, Sasha Baron Cohen has absolutely released this two weeks before the election for a reason. Mm. You're seeing Americans hang themselves in the way that they speak about, you know, give them enough rope uh, with anti-Semitism, with racism, with class warfare, and it's ugly. Mm. But it also one of the things that stuck out to me was, you know, we've been talking a lot this uh, this year about the notion of it's not enough to not be racist, you have to be anti-racist. There's just little things that he peppers through his interactions with people in certain parts of America and the fact that he says really overtly racist things and they just kind of go along with it. They maybe look a little bit uncomfortable but are just like, oh, yeah, that's mm. fine. And that really struck me. I thought of that that notion of 
being actively anti-racist, calling out things when you see them. And in some cases, these people are just like, yeah, it's completely normal what he's saying, which, you know, infers that they themselves mm. are racist. But it really came back to me. Or they're so used to it, it, yeah. it doesn't affect them. I've, I've seen it too. Yeah, right. What did yeah. you think? Oh, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. I don't think it's as amazing. Like I've seen people saying this is one of the great feminist films of 2020. Yeah, no, no, it's not. No. Just because there's that storyline, it- it's not a great feminist film. Okay, um, I agree with you on many points, but. The revelation 15 years ago that there's this dark underbelly in America, that was shocking and he did that, I think, quite well. Mm. That revelation now doesn't hold any weight because we know. And it's so out in the open. Yeah, and I, I was kind in of... In an ugly way. I was trying to, I was trying to work out what on earth he's, he's satirising. <sighs> I'm just not sure. It's not satire anymore. Yeah, which um, is like that's been a real theme through the last few years, hasn't it? Mm. That tipping point, what... Yeah, what even I is don't know what anymore? I don't know what the message was of this movie. Yeah. Other than what he'd already told us in the last one. And I think it's it's too real now for me. I couldn't enjoy it. It's it's too real. Mm. And it's especially, you know, the trafficking women and there's a scene in it and I'll, it for people who want to see it is where the daughter is at a at a debutante ball and they're all very conservative but something happens that is kind of gross and and really I, I couldn't work out what the joke was other than people felt sorry for this girl. Mm. Like I, I just can't, I couldn't understand it. And when you see it, you'll, you'll understand. I just mm. didn't know what the joke was mm. and I didn't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the point of it is at this time. But maybe you're right. Maybe the point is that Americans needed to be reminded and the timing of this is very important. I think maybe that is it and maybe it's not for us or not for me who's already stressed out, stressed out enough about the world and how f- basically fucked we seem to be at the moment. Mm. Um that maybe it is for Americans who might not see themselves reflected. Mm. Maybe that's the point of it. And for that reason, I think it's great. I just couldn't I couldn't work out what he was satirising because it felt too real. Yeah. Mm. What a time. What a time, <laughs> hey? It's on Amazon Prime if you've got that or um, oh, Myth, yeah. Myth can and give you a login. You, and thank you, to the, <laughs> thank you to the person who I've forgotten who even gave me that login so long ago. I just clicked in. I haven't watched a lot of Amazon Prime of late. I, um, There's not really anything on no, there. No, I just, I just watched that and so if that's come up and you've gone, oh, I don't think I've watched that. That was me. Um, sorry. I, I just feel, love I'm, that you're I'm littering, to feel really you're littering your viewing history across so <laughs> many streaming services. It's like a little Hansel and Gretel myth war. Yeah, <laughs> leading know. a trail back to the cultural mega view. It's amazing. And FYI, if you want to share, <laughs> I don't know if this will go to if you, share, <laughs> if you want to share your Amazon Prime logins, it's not like Netflix. I don't ask you to log in every now and then. Never. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Oh my god! What a joy to see I you. Think it's IRL. Georgia. I think it's Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, thanks okay. Georgia. Thanks, thanks Georgia. Thanks Georgia. Thanks Georgia. Georgia. I really could afford my own, but it's just nice, you know. I'm paying fam and all that. <laughs> it's all part of the family. Um, um, how good to see you. So good. How good. So good. You look great too. I your feel hair alive. looks good. You had your hair oh, done. Looks great. Feeling fresh. This is a new feeling a new good. dawn. Feeling great. Feeling great. Feeling good. How, how are, are you? you? See you next week. See ya.
Bang on.